narrates a dramatic monologue of an urban man trapped in the maze of his own mind. Affluent, educated, eloquent, yet tormented by feelings of utter loneliness and isolation. Frozen by anxiety, haunted by chronic fear, he grapples with his uncertainty, his inability to decide, to act. Enmeshed in a tangle of doubts, apprehensions of failure, misfortune, scorn. He finds himself tense, self-conscious and hesitant. Forlorn, alienated, he reflects on his lost opportunities, his spiritual stagnation, his repressed carnal desires. He senses the weariness, feels the regret and shame. Aging, death, mortality frighten him. Proof Rock has become one of the most recognized voices in modern literature, reflecting the disorder, the fragmentation that Eliot saw in Western civilization, sterile, hollow. Proof Rock himself comes across as a pathetic, almost tragic figure. As we move along with him, his concerns, his decline, his disintegration. Eliot's poem straddles both worlds, ancient and modern, old and new. The epigraph to the poem is romantic classicism. It's a scene from Dante's Inferno, the divine comedy. It's a voice from hell, damned to eternal perdition for treachery and failed promise. Guido confesses all to Dante, deeming him dead and doomed forever in hell like him. Isn't proof rock too a damned soul? The curse of bourgeois boredom? Doesn't he too seek desperately to escape? I'm Lazarus, come from the dead, come back to tell you all. I shall tell you all. Escape through a single radical move? Reveal the truth? How does the poem unfold? We see proof rock guide a mysterious companion through the dismal streets, the seamy, sordid underbelly of London. He ponders that overwhelming question. He worries he's running out of time for a hundred indecisions. Isn't it ironical that the poem begins firm, decisive, resolute? Let us go then, you and I. But the sense of purpose evaporates almost instantly as the speaker gets enchanted by the dusk the light effects evocative, lyrical, when the evening spreads out against the sky. This too dissipates and gets hijacked by a queer simile that flashes across his mind, like a patient, etherized, upon a table. What an odd juxtaposition 
of poetic romanticism and the bleak medical image a hospital look at the title itself the love song against j alfred prufrock precise formal prosaic eccentric the speaker now enters the superficial world a world of sophisticated upper crust women who come and go talking of michael angelo what follows is an exquisite wonderfully creative word play the yellow fog that rubs its back upon the window panes the yellow smoke that rubs its muzzle on the window panes a soft october night pretty personification though the yellow smoke is industrial smoke there will be time there will be time like the cat like fog that nestles languorously upon the cityscape the poem winds and winds curls about its charming drifting self breaking into fragments over and over again putting off that dreaded moment of coming to a finality a full stop rather coming round to the question mark do i dare do i dare he's divided between the fear and the desire to act create destroy create again renew new masks to prepare a face to meet the faces you meet the synthetic courtesy and polite small talk trite effete frivolous perhaps a meaningful exchange later the speaker seems to say time for you and time for me the speaker's feelings of inadequacy his self-conscious apprehension comes through painfully awkward and bored had the awful prospect of engaging in social niceties when all he desires is to escape aging and social remarks on his physical decline frighten him when i'm pinned and wriggling on the wall then how should i begin how should i presume this is not mere rhetoric these are agonized concerns endless doubts that suffocate him that clutter his mind in the spotlight under the glare of scrutiny being analyzed studied commented upon by others terrify him nothing short of a nightmare the silenced hysteria i've measured my life with coffee spoons the speaker reveals the inane monotonous emptiness of this kind of 
society. It's a dangerous society. The aesthetic pretenses, the pretensions of class. Prufrock is pensive and wonders whether he should force the moment, crisis, or squeeze the universe into a ball, be assertive, reveal the truth. Would it have been worth it? Would he be understood? This complex ambiguity here is the question that he keeps referring to. A proposal? Marriage? Is he then afraid of commitment? What does he fear? Rejection? Does he want to call off the hypocrisy, the sham and make it a real situation? Does he want to shatter the facade? We don't know. In the drama of life, the speaker feels like the fool, a side character, not like Hamlet, an actor on the main stage. He's afraid, afraid of embracing the wide open world, prefers to recede into the shadows, just melt into a non-entity. The poem has moments of rich sensuousness, arms that are braceleted and white and bare, with strong, explicit sexual overtones, settling a pillow by her head or throwing off a shawl. Should I then presume? How should I begin? He begins again to digress and escape to the sidelines, the comfort of the sidelines. We watch him as he tries to shore up his sagging self-esteem, lift up his crumbling self-image, perhaps wear the bottom of his trousers inside out, roll them up, be young and fashionable, maybe eat a peach in a moment of daring and abandon, or part his hair differently from behind? I should have been a pair of ragged claws scuttling across the floors of silent seas. Here's an image, vivid, of slow, ponderous movement, heavy with the burden of years, edging towards the end, death. As the poem ends, he enters a world of fantasy, idyllic beauty. He's momentarily at ease, reconciled. He visualizes himself strolling down the beach, listening to mermaids singing, but not to him, to each other. He dreams of lingering, reposing luxuriantly in the chambers of the sea, what are these chambers of the sea? The underwater caves? The depth of imagination? Is he referring to the creative world? Or perhaps the underground wellsprings of life? But then, regular life beckons. Social constraints of the real world impinge upon them. 
there is no escape until human voices wake us and we drown ezra pound called it the best poem i've yet seen from an american not so in england brushed aside as irrelevant and not poetry it was even called insane by an editor who imagined it would go on to become one of the most renowned 20th century poems proof rock now proudly stands alongside the wasteland as a work that inspired the era of modernism in literature what's so beautiful about eliot is that he expanded the personal into the universal do i dare disturb the universe he asks here is not profox's personal limited misgivings eliot has moved beyond to more cosmic concerns he's dealing with questions of mortality eternity that overwhelming question of proof rock it's impossible to say just what i mean becomes more cosmically troubling the coy diffident awkwardness of a romantic overture becomes perhaps the nature of writing even truth itself 